This right. is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Takes a, a hop off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite, and it's in. Kind of like that. I would like to welcome to the Sub-70 podcast, Willie Wilcox. Been looking forward to this conversation. A lot of interesting things going on in his life right now with retirement, teaching, uh, you know, some changes coming up, living the camping lifestyle with campfires and beers. Sounds fun to me. So a lot to dive into. Um, so thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, uh, I've seen some people wearing that Sub-70 hat, and then when you reached out to me, I was like, man, I really like those hats. Well, we're definitely going to get you some swag down. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the podcast for me has been a ton of fun to, you know, to get to talk to some of the guys or if it's, you know, tour players or architects or any of that kind of stuff that I think would be an interesting conversation. I've, I truly enjoyed doing this. So, like I said, thanks for taking the time. And I think we've got some cool shit to talk about. It'll be fun. Absolutely. I think you got a great brand and, and I'm flattered that you wanted to talk to me. Well, uh, let's kind of like dig into it a little bit here from the changes. Like, you know, how has life been, you know, not kind of chasing it, right? Not having to grind and not having to, to put all that work in you, you had to put in to be a successful touring professional. Do you miss it a little bit? Is it a relief? It's kind of over a little bit of both. Like, where's your headspace right now with that decision and, and, and kind of the new life that you're, that you're, you know, leading at this point? Um, it's, it's been, it's been a relief. Um, it, it's, it's like, I watched a video on Billy Horschel today and it was showing all his, uh, preparations and, and tournament week preparations and off, off week preparations. And I'm like, wow, I didn't do any of that. Um, and, uh, so, you know, my work ethic was, was good. I, I mean, I, I worked my butt off to get there, but then when I got there, I, I kind of, um, I was under the impression that I was kind of like a John Daly type and, um, and it turns out I wasn't, um, but, but, but like coming from where I, from where I come from, it, you know, I, uh, I really, you know, I didn't have that fire and, and make, making what I made and I was able to save and, and, you know, I helped my parents and, you know, it was, it was a really fruitful endeavor for somebody coming from where I come from. And, uh, you know, it just, it, I'm just so relieved that I didn't blow it all. And I'm just relieved that I, uh, can, can help kids and I can help people in my hometown. And, um, yeah, like it's been great. Like I, I just, I love living in this camper. Um, it's a nice little 25 foot Salem cruise light forest river. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, so it's, it's, man, I, I'm really enjoying my, you know, it's not really, I mean, I guess it is time off cause I'm not, I'm not grinding, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, life's been great. It, it's been really, really relaxing. And, uh, you know, I get to look at the lake every day and I get to help my dad, uh, grow the game in this state. Was, was it for you part of it almost just making it to the PJ tour and playing against the best at the highest level? Is that almost like your you know, your goal, your accomplishment, right? Like, it was just sort of just like, I, I, I got there. Making it to the damn nationwide was, <laughs> that was it. Um, 
I, uh, if I would have just even had the, and sorry, I kind of cut you off there, but, um, but yeah, like, uh, just even making it to the corn ferry or nationwide at the time, um, was such a huge accomplishment. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I just never saw past that. I, I didn't, I didn't see winning tournaments. I didn't see, I didn't see anything. I, I, my, 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 uh, the, I just didn't see anything other than, you know, hopefully paying some bills and paying my parents back for all the money they spent on bailing me out of jail. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm being brutally honest. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I was able to help my family. I, I lived a really fun life for about 13 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, like just making it to the corn fairy tour was, was everything to me. So when you get out to the PGA Tour, um, you know, that first year, is there any moments where it's like, holy shit, that's Tiger Woods, holy shit, that's Phil Mickelson? And does it take a little bit to believe, because you earned your way there, that you're good yes. enough to be there? Or does, does that come, I mean, your ball striking, I was looking at your golf swing today from 2015, man, that's, I mean, it's as good as it was out there. And the, and the stats back that up, you know, from a ball striking standpoint. So it's not like it's me out there you know, fluking it, like you were that good. What was that first year like out on tour when you're in the big show and you got to learn these golf courses and then is there moments where it's like, holy shit, it's X. And then how long did it take for you to believe that like, yeah, I can compete with these guys. Like I'm as good as any of these guys out here. Well, um, you know, uh, I spent my first eight events suspended on the PGA tour. I don't think many people know that. Um, I wasn't even allowed to play. Um, and, uh, I, uh, so yeah, I, um, I, my first event back when they finally let me play, um, was in Hawaii and I was in the last group on Sunday and, uh, it was, it was such a wild deal. Um, I, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I'm in Hawaii and, uh, one of my teachers that pulled me aside in high school to tell me how much I was ruining my life. Her and her husband happened to be in Oahu at the same time, and they followed me on Saturday, and I shot 64. And it was just such a wild transition from her pulling me into a classroom to say, you're ruining your life, to being in the final group on Sunday at a PGA Tour event. And, and I finished in a 13-way tie for eight after shooting one over on Sunday. But, I mean, I, my hands were shaking so bad, I couldn't even I couldn't even function. Um, so, uh yeah, the, the whole thing was just so shocking, and, uh, and honestly, I enjoyed the Hooters tour, um, and I didn't really want to get off the Hooters tour, so when I made it to the Corn Ferry tour, you know, I was kind of, I mean, I wasn't disappointed, I was excited, but, you know, I, I was happy just playing the Hooters tour, I mean, you know, after after the, um, the housing bubble crash finally kicked in, um, that, that became a, a route that, that wasn't really available anymore, so... Um, yeah, like it was, uh, it, it was a wild deal. Um, I was just really excited to, to have a chance to, to play with the best. And, and then there I was in the final group. So, uh, it was, it was something else. I, uh, I'm really, um, I'm still taken aback by, by what, uh, occurred out there. So yeah, it was, uh, but I never saw past the damn motor store. <laughs> Did it? When you're in that final group on a Sunday, does it feel different than playing Corn Ferry Tour or the last group in a Hooters Tour? Like, because you've done this before, you've won at a high level. 
is it a different nervous or is it a good nervous like you you knew what was probably going to happen with your body in other words did you react the same way you've done in other situations when you know it's sunday afternoon and you're playing for a title no i wanted to throw up i hated every second of it um i uh when i, I was in hawaii and the tea time was super late and um, I just was honestly, it just wasn't very fun. Um, I mean, I I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the money that came from it. But I was uh, I was super nervous. I never enjoyed being in the in the hunt. Um, I liked being thirty six going into Sunday and to finish, uh, you know, a little backdoor sixteenth or a little backdoor whatever. Um, I, I did I didn't like I didn't have that fire. I guess you could say. Um, you know, teeing off on Sunday with Harris English and Chris Kirk. I didn't really enjoy that. I mean, no, I enjoyed playing with those guys because I'd known them since I was a kid, but, um, and, and I'm glad it wasn't, you know, some bigger names, but, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was a crazy deal. And, and, and I made, uh, I made, you know, I think it was 126,000. I act like I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was something, it was something else. And, uh, to do that in a place like Hawaii, like I'd never, I'd never been there was, uh, was something special. So, um, yeah, I just, I really did not enjoy being in the fire at all. It was just too intense. I find that so interesting and I, and I can understand it too. I find it so interesting though, like uh, that, you know, had hundred and some conversations with these guys and usually unless it's you know they don't want to tell me the truth it's you know i live for that moment right yeah i, I live you know yeah. give me the that's ball what, in the that, back that's what nine 99 percent of them say right like let me give this is why i did the work this is the biggest stage you know i've talked to guys and you know what's it like playing sunday on a Ryder cup like it's the greatest goddamn thing i've ever seen in my life right and i and i wanted yeah. it so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting take that you had on it, you know, of, and everything's yeah. different, wired a little bit different. Like it's no right or wrong answer. And, but I can yeah. have empathy of like kind of where you're coming from that you were, you were comfortable probably on the Hooters tour. Then it goes up to another, another level and you're comfortable being T36 on Sunday. And if you backdoor T15, that's great. You know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and, and everybody else that I was around was like, um, I just remember congratulating guys on finishing third or fourth. And then they would say to me, like, I lost. I'm like, yeah, but you could buy like six houses in my hometown. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, I heard, I saw how sad people were for making 700 K. Oh, what a sad, sad thing to happen to somebody. Um, and I say that sarcastically, sarcastically, obviously. And, it, it, it made me sick. Like, I just can't believe that anybody could be dissatisfied with making hundreds of thousands of dollars in four days from hitting a ball. And, uh, you know, if I, if I, I mean, I remember I made the cut at Pebble, um, one year and got the MDF finish. And I mean, I was doing cartwheels in my hotel room because last place was 13 six. I mean, that covered my expenses. That covered everything. I was so freaking pumped up. I, I just remember coming in last and being so stoked. And, uh, that, that was in 14 when the wind blew a lot that year. And, um, yeah, it, it was just a different deal for me. Like, I, you know, I, I did not have that fire. I mean, I, I did at a younger age, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just just being there was huge, and getting to play seventy five events was huge. I think it was seventy three, so giving myself a little more credit than I deserve. But um, but yeah, it, it was just, uh, and then in fifteen to hit it as good as I did. I mean, I did that in sixteen events, and it was in all the smaller tournaments. So 
you know, I wasn't playing um, at Riviera and I wasn't playing at uh, um, at uh, Phoenix and, and things like that. Uh, Honda, um, I, I did well in Puerto Rico. And I mean, that year I had four top tens in the off field events. So, you know, that that was a huge chunk of the portion that kept my card. So, you know, I was comfortable in those small events. I was never comfortable in 2016 when I got into the big events. Um, I, I just, I just wasn't. Follow up on that. Like, so when you said guys disappointed making 700,000, do you think you almost have to, it's so competitive out there that the player who thinks that almost has to trick themselves into the mindset that, for lack of a better word, I don't care I don't about know. the money, right? Like I don't I like winning is everything, so I have to disregard the money now to keep the pedal down to not be satisfied. Cuz you're right, like I mean $700,000 in a week, you know, you could be pretty satisfied with that. Like nice, right? You know, invest some of this. This is a big chunk for my family in the future. You know, spin it positively a thousand different ways, but do you almost think it's so competitive, it's so alpha male, it's so hard to be successful out there that you almost have to like trick yourself into that mindset that the money doesn't matter. It's like, I, I have to keep pushing a little bit. I think, I think a lot of guys come from money. Um, I would have to say that probably has something to do with it. And, uh, I, uh, I mean, I didn't struggle as a kid, but, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to help my parents and, in, in, in a low time and help them with their, uh, bills and, um, help them with, a, live a, a more comfortable lifestyle. And, and it worked out so beautifully. Um, you know, now my dad's doing so great with the junior tour and now I've, I've become, I've become part of that. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a really cool, it's it just, I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they're used to the comforts of, um, you know, the high class lifestyle, the five star life. And, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just, I was in total shock. I, I thought it was damn near disrespectful. I mean, if you're not going to be happy with half a million dollars in four days, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I mean, are you going to be happy with anything? Yeah, it's just, it's an interesting mindset, right? Because I think 99.5% of the people, whatever it would be, would die. I mean, if I could play golf for four days and make half a million dollars, I'd, I'd be pretty cool with that one, right? I could, I could, I could be like, that's a successful week. Hell yeah. Right, like who that's a would, good, right, that's a good week. Um, so it's just an interesting mindset. And, you know, I know you are... Uh, you know, talking about the great ball striking that you had in fifteen and sixteen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let Willie the teacher explain to me how Willie the PGA Tour player was so successful from a from a golf swing standpoint on that run. Like in your golf swing, looking at it now as a teacher, what worked? What can we learn from it? And what made that golf swing so efficient? Um, uh, open, connected, inside pushes. That was the only thing that I thought about. Um, uh, it was a lower body thing. Um, I have no idea how it went as well as it did. I was not treating my body well. I was, um, smelling the roses. I was doing a lot of things that a player should not do. Um, I was, I was, um, I, but I just flushed. It was crazy. Like I, I always would say to my friends back home, like, you know, I was having my cake and eating it too. And, and it was just wild. I just, I'll never, I mean, in 14, I made like 580 and, and, and I didn't do a damn good thing for my body that year. You know, I was living in my grandpa's condo that he just moved to the VA home. 
uh, and it was a condo in uh, Alabama, and um, yeah, it was, it was wild. I, I just, uh, I don't know why it worked so well, and then it stopped working so well. I, I got to think that it was just kind of a, a snowball effect of, of not being a Billy Horschel or, um, you know, who works super hard. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are just diesel, you know, and, uh, and it just, it was, it was a crazy thing. I just, it all came together. It felt easy. Um, I wanted to play as few events as I possibly could. When I, when I locked my card up in Auburn, um, I didn't, I didn't want to play anymore. Um, but my agent and everybody else that, you know, was giving me advice, um, was like, will, will you please go play again? And I'm, and I'm just like, I don't really want to, like, my, my card's locked up, right? Like, that's all that matters. Like, am I going to get into all the big events? All right, cool. Let's shut her down. Like, let's, I mean, I rented a house in the Caribbean for a month and we went there, you know, we drank 30 bottles of Dom. I mean, it was just like, that was it, you know, I mean, just keeping my card was, that's all I cared about, I didn't care about top 30, I didn't care about top 50, I mean, I got to 116 in the world, that was it, you know, I mean, I, I made it, and, um, you know, that, that lack of drive is definitely the reason I didn't, uh, I didn't, um, you know, progress more than, uh, in the, in the world, uh, golf rankings than I did, um, you know, and, but I just, my, my goals were so low. I always, my goal, I always said, you know, people say, Hey, what's your goal? I said, well, I set my bar super, super low. So if I beat that, then I'm really, really happy. If you set your goal super high, Oh, I'm going to win this tournament. And I had a lot of friends that were like, I'm winning this week. I'm winning this week. Well, you just missed the cut. Like, so how do you feel now? You know, if you thought you had a legitimate chance of winning and then you just shot a pair of 75s, like, how do you feel? You know, like, all I wanted to do was make the cut, and then I finished 18th. Like, I feel amazing. Well, um, well, the golf swing work, what I saw with it was just, you know, it was, obviously, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, probably not hitting a lot of draws from that. Just, it's a power fade move, right? Honestly, I did hit draws. Did you really, did. from that position, because it was kind of steep, and then it would flatten, and they had such great lower body rotation. To, to me, it looked like it would be more of a, like a little bit of a hold cut move and let the lower body do its thing. And I my mean, it's auto, such a... my auto was a low fade. That that was the fairway finder for sure. Okay. Um, but I could hit the high draw, and and most of my iron shots were draws. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. Setting up open like that, nobody understood how I would draw it. But I but I I dropped I, I flattened the plane so much. Yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah, yeah. Wayne DeFrancisco was my coach for a couple of years, and and he did a great breakdown. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a, it was weird. But um, my iron shots, I, I hold a lot of shots in thirteen, and then in fifteen. And you know, when I had a good event, I would always hold like two or three shots in a tournament, and they'd range from you know seventy six yards with a fifty six degree a uh, little little hip to hip or. Um, uh, when I won on the Corn Ferry Tour, I hold one from 196 with a seven iron and one from 141 with a pitching wedge, and and it was it was always a draw, always a draw from that open position, which which is weird. Um, for, with a driver as well, or iron? Would you fade you know, if you had like fade the driver, draw the irons a little bit? Uh, I mean, I could draw the I could draw the driver as well. Um, it was uh, I, I could I could hit any shot. My my range sessions were draw draw fade fade straight straight, and then that that that's what I really worked on. 
So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a mixed bag. I, I could make it move any direction from that. And then it got to where I couldn't. And that when I started to play poorly in 2020, I was super inside out and I was swinging five to seven degrees right, um, from the open position. So that was heel blocks or overcorrected snaps. Um, so yeah, yeah, this, like what I did, uh, back in, um, 13 through 17, just, and then at 18, I played really well in the corn fairy tour and I missed my card by just a shade. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could hit any shot for that position, but, but my go-to was the punch and I had this epic, um, three iron slash two iron punch shot. And I hit that thing on, sometimes I'd hit it nine times in a round off the tee. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it it was a weird deal. I don't know how the heck I did it. Um, I honestly don't know how, how I did it. And, and, and I'm just, I'm glad that I did because it, cause it, it, it helped my parents a lot. Well, it's uber athletic. It didn't look like there was a whole lot of, it just, it's a natural, you had a natural, beautiful flowing golf swing that looked free. It looked like you're just kind yeah. of, you know, throwing it with your right side and the lower body rotation. Like it, it didn't look. It's technically very sound, but didn't look like you were thinking much technical. It's just turn like hell and release the club. And my hands were very low at impact, yeah. so um, they, they were a lot lower than anybody else on tour, and and I didn't have any like hump action at all. I could I could really clear. Yeah, um, that's what I saw. So yeah, so the Wayne, Wayne's breakdown in that little fifteen minute video on YouTube got a lot of views and. Yeah, it was uh, it was weird. I mean, I was I was shocked as everybody else. I I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I just every week it just kept it just seemed to get better and better. And uh, you know, the weeks where I finished twenty second, I mean, I, would, I like that I finished twenty fourth or fifth in Canada in fourteen. Got paired with Tim Clark when he was still using the broom handle, and uh, that week I was in the top three in all ball striking categories and finished twenty fifth. So. I mean, I really putted poorly in, in that entire stretch. And if I could have putted okay in 18, I would have gotten my card and probably still be living in Jupiter. Um, but uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be where I'm at. Uh, and, and I'm really, uh, you know, hoping these lessons take off. And, 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 and I'm doing pretty good in the junior tour. I'm just really lucky to have, uh, you know, uh, this this junior tour to fall back on. And, and helping kids is just fantastic. And, and my dad's been running it for almost 20 years, so... But yeah, um, uh, now that I'm rambling, I forget what the original well, question was. Yeah, well, just but. like how good the swing is. Do you, do you, is that sort of a, so now you're, you know, a professional instructor. Do you have some of that core belief in the instruction you're giving where it's like, we're going to turn and the arms are going to be along for the ride, but the power is going to come from this move and this is how we're going to get there. Do you kind of have some core beliefs that when you're showing somebody how to do it, and obviously it worked for you, did it at the highest level, that this is how we're going to do it. Or do you, are you not tied into sort of, you know, that motion? Is it, and is it hard to teach it sometime because you do have to be uber athletic to be able to rotate that quick, you know, and make that, prof- yeah. I call it professional move, right? And somebody's not athletic enough, it's a hard thing to teach. So playing at the highest level, how, what do you then take from that into your teaching philosophy? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, mostly it's set up. Um, most people don't set up correctly. And I try to get, you know, that, that Justin Thomas rehearsal where he, he's trying to get the club on his hands. If you're looking at a down the line video and you're to do a freeze frame when the club's at parallel to the ground, 
Um, I try to, I, I want to get people to get their, uh, the, the, the club head covering their hands on the way back. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people suck it inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually all the people that I've looked at suck it inside. Um, and they, you know, Hey, I'm drawing the ball. I'm going to, I'm going to aim farther right or I'm slicing the ball. I'm going to aim farther left. Um, so mostly my stuff is set up and a lot of people have the butt of the club too close to, um, their belt buckle or zipper or whatever you want to say. And, uh, so mostly, mostly it's set up and, and trying to be a one piece takeaway. Um, that, that would be the main thing. A wide takeaway is something that people, um, don't do naturally. A lot of people want to be kind of crouchy and, you know, kind of hunchback and, um, you know, they, 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 they want it to be, you know, really in their, in the zone, like, you know, just tight to their thighs and, 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 and zipper. So, uh, you know, no more, more what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create space to where their arms can swing freely and, um, and, 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 and the club doesn't suck inside. Um, and, and, and the club face angle and the left wrist angle is huge. Um, so a lot of people, um, uh, weight, weight, uh, dispersion as well. Um, that's huge. So a lot of people, uh, you know, lean into it. Their knee action is a little wacky. Um, so, you know, I try to, I try to tell people to, um, use the ground, balls, the feet, um, you know, in any athletic endeavor that you do, uh, guarding somebody in basketball or, or, or whatever, whatever, um, you want to you want to really use the balls of your feet, and you want to push outwards from your knees, and you want your lines, foot line, knee line, waist, shoulders, eye line to be as close to dialed as possible. So all my stuff is just getting people set up correctly. So it's that first. I see it a lot too with the fittings I do. It's that first half of the golf swing, even to get it to waist high, where yeah. a lot can go wrong from a yeah. Know, uh, unathletic setup to, like I said, see, I see it a ton. Club coming way inside. I'm going to hit a draw yeah. by bringing the club way inside. It's like, well, actually, I want to do the other way. Then we'll look at some video of, you know, let's think of a flatter golf swing and you know, Fowler or whatever. Well, the club head, yes. the head itself is still outside of his hands coming back. Right? Yeah, it's, so it's, outside of the hands is something that I haven't really seen much. Granted, I've only given lessons to about four or five people, but um, but they are recurring, which is nice. So 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 people have been been uh, been learning from what I say. But but yes, I think the first couple feet of the backswing is just so freaking huge, and uh, I really uh, I um, that's that that that's really what I'm focusing on is uh, just getting people set up correctly because nobody's set up is nice. And, um, especially when you're, I mean, I, I got friends that I play little league ball with that, that are super talented. Um, but, but they just, their fundamentals are screwed up. So, so I'm really starting from, from, like you said, that, you know, getting, getting the club to parallel from the ground is, is that, that, that's step one. And we got to get that dialed in and then you can kind of just let it flow from there. Yeah. Just let it be athletic from that portion. Right. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's the critical segment of it. Um, I guess you had the guys on tour when you did play PGA Tour. Was there some guys that you really enjoyed hanging out with, and some friends that you made? And like, who were the who were the guys that you sort of ran around with and had fun with? Um, Will McKenzie, Steve Marino. Um, you know, I enjoyed Lucas Glover's company. Um, Charles Howell is a total legend. Um, really, really great guy. Um, and. Uh, 
let's see who else. Uh, well, Andrew Loop. Andrew Loop was big. He, he's a good friend of mine to this day. And um, you know who else? Um, uh, Jim Renner. Jim Renner. Can't forget my boy Renner. Yeah. Um, he's, he's the original people's golfer from Barstool Sports. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and everybody's been either sidelined by injury or, or whatever. Uh, Mark Hubbard. He was a friend of mine, but mostly I hung out with caddies. <laughs> Steve Marino, now, you got to have a good Steve Marino story that's still uh, PG rated. Like that dude was a—that's a legend right there, right? Like you don't want to play that guy for a thousand dollars a hole. Hell no, and right, especially like, I wish I would. If I was about six six years older, that's what I've come down to. Um, if I was six years older, man, I, I really think I would have done um, a little bit more. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the best Steve Marino story I have is. Um, there's a lot of them, but and I only lived I only I only lived a mile from him in Jupiter, so that, that's all another ball of wax. But um, the best one is uh, I finished sixth, and after getting on on anxiety medicine because I was shaking like a leaf at uh, PGA West, and I could barely take the club back, so I got on anxiety meds and uh, got my my brain straightened out. And then I went to um, Phoenix and I finished sixth, and uh, which was a great finish. I shot the round of the day on Sunday. Um, and, um, and then I, uh, sorry, let me shut my, uh, camper door here. Um, there we go. Um, so Steve, uh, so I finished sixth and 30th and then we're, we're, we're staying at the house where they filmed the movie play Misty for me, which is a old school, uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, Steve always had the dialed in houses, you know, the heated floors in the bathrooms. That's what I always remembered. It was so sick. And, uh, so I finished sixth in, uh, Scottsdale and then I go up and chip in on the 72nd hole, which was actually the, the middle left pin at Pebble, um, final round. I hit it left onto that hill on that downslope and you're just totally screwed. And I chip it in to finish like 30th or something. So I just had a great two weeks. Sixth and then 30th for me was basically win-win. Uh, and by that, I mean victory, victory. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's a seven-hour drive, or you can hop on a NetJets with Steve. And uh, so I said, hey, I'm going to hop on that plane with you, dog. And uh, so next thing I know, we we hop on the plane. Um, you know, we, we'd been drinking um, a lot of, uh, beers, and so we, we, we land, it's a 34-minute flight or a seven-hour brutal drive, um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, yeah, I, uh, we land in Santa Monica, and they've got our, uh, Mercedes-Benz C-classes there, and the Santa Monica airport on Sundays was closed, the executive airport, so, um, and I only had to get, like, a thousand bucks, and, you know, I just made you know, roughly 300 the previous two weeks. So that was a no brainer. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, had a little gal with me. And, uh, so the, all the gates are closed. We can't exit, but we've got these brand new Mercedes Benzes and the airport's closed. So what do we decide to do? Um, we decide to race them up and down the <laughs> runway. Um, so we're racing these up and down the runway for a good hour. And then we finally like, all right, all right we should probably leave. Um, we, we should try to find an exit. So, you know, we have these brand new LA, uh, open cars and, uh, you know, we ended up finding our way out 
And then we all uh, continued to indulge. And I went on a late night shopping spree with the girl that I was with. Uh, couldn't find my hotel. Went to the wrong hotel. Knocked on the wrong door when the key wouldn't work. Um, but yeah, I would say flying private from Monterey to Santa Monica and having our courtesy car sig on the runway and no way to leave was the coolest thing that I've ever done in my life. And, and, and uh, Steve Marino was a part of it. Steve Marino, Will McKenzie, myself, the, the, the women that we were with. Um, but yeah, we land and the pilots leave, you know, and it's just us. Yeah. It's just our crazy asses stuck in, stuck in a, a private airstrip. That's what I and, would do, uh, yeah. I mean, what else do you I mean, You got some beer or open runway and nothing to really hit. Go have some fun. Can't blame oh, you on that one. Oh, we ripped them. We ripped them. And, I mean, it, you know, we, we probably destroyed those vehicles. And, um, you know, we were running 120 to 150 up and down that runway. And, luckily, nobody was hurt. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time. And I was like, as it was happening, I was like, I will never forget this. Like, it was so cool. Is he still trying to, to grind it up? He's been injured a lot, right? That's kind of what happened with his career. If I, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, he still he still plays great. But yeah, he had back surgery. I think you know, sixty ninety days ago, and uh, I believe he'll 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 absolutely keep going. He has that fire. Um, he he wants to keep going. Um, and uh, yeah, Steve's one of my favorite people on planet Earth. Uh, him and James Driscoll and Will McKenzie. And, um, Driscoll was another guy that I was big, big buddies with and, you know, big influences in my life. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, man, it was the coolest thing ever just to get to fly private with Steve and, um, just, you know, just the, the whole thing was just, just mind boggling. Difference between talent on the Corn Ferry Tour and PGA Tour is, is it noticeable when you're out on both tours and you won on the Corn Ferry or is it so small, the difference that, it's basically indistinguishable. For the the courses part. are a lot easier. People ask me that. Uh, they they did when I was on tour. They, hey, what's the difference? You know, the cuts are six, seven under on the Corn Ferry. You know, why are they one over even on the PGA Tour? Well, it's a different sport. Um, the pins are tucked. Uh, you you got to control your trajectory. Um, you know, uh, ball flight. Um, every, everything, I, mean, I guess, trajectory and ball flight are the same thing, but you, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, hit a draw to a back left pin. You gotta hit a cut to a right, you know, the ball's not going to just stick where it lands and, uh, the rough's a lot higher. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the talent level is, uh, I mean, the guys are good on, on the corn for sure, but, um, but the, the courses are just so much more difficult on the PGA tour. And that's why the cuts are even par one, two under, you know, you're, you're never going to see a six under cut on the PGA tour unless it dumped a bunch of rain and maybe the John Deere or something. But, but there is, yeah, Bob Hope's always going to be a low one. Yeah. But you do see a little bit of talent difference between the two tours. Maybe the, 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 the bottom half of the corn Ferry tour versus the bottom half of the PGA tour. Is that sort of where the, that biggest divide would be in your opinion? Cause I mean, they can all play you guys are all, I mean, they're all out on the corn Ferry tour. I mean, they're great players. But is that sort of where you can see those little nuances from from being on both sides of it? Um, you saying the uh, the bottom half of the PGA Tour and, Versus, and the top half of the corn? No, it's like let's say you had you know the guy who was for argument's sake hundredth on the money list on the seventy fifth on the money list on the PGA Tour against the guy who's seventy fifth on the money list on the Corn Ferry Tour. Now they're both great golfers; they're playing professionally, you know, at a very high level. But is that is that a pretty big divide? 
Uh, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, it's 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 uh, you know, I mean, their their games will develop, and the average age is so much younger than it was when I was playing um, at that level. So um, <clears throat> the average age when I got to the PGA Tour, I was twenty six or twenty seven. Um, you know, the guys that made it on the tour were, it was around 30, 31, and now I think it's much younger, and now on the Corn Ferry Tour, the average age is, 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 is crazy young. You know, this year when I, when I played sparingly, I mean, I was exempt in a lot, most, most events, but I, I didn't, uh, play in a lot of them just cause, I mean, everybody's 23, 24, and, you know, I, I, tr- I turned 35 this year, and the next year I turned 36, and, you know, everybody, they, they stay the same age. Um, it's, it's kind of like that, uh, that, that, that thing from, um, Dazed and Confused. Uh, Dazed and Confused, exactly. There you exactly. go. You know, I get older, they stay the same age. Um, so, uh, yeah, it goes back to that Matthew McConaughey thing, man. Uh, it's just, uh, it's crazy. It, it just blew my mind, uh, how, how young they, they were and, and just how ripped they were. Everybody's just, and even guys from my home state, you know, I would expect them to reach out to me and maybe want to learn a thing or two from me, but, but that never happened, um, where, whereas it did before. And, uh, yeah, everybody's just a lot different now. They're, they're a lot more polished. They're a lot more focused. You know, they're wearing vineyard vines. Um, it's, uh, it's a trip. It really is, uh, how, how ready they are. I was going to ask you this too. On uh, we we both have a love of golden age architecture, and I was doing my research for this. Of and I know you love Donald Ross golf courses. I I do as well. And, and, oh, yeah. and what is it about a a really good Ross that's been maintained? Let's call it two a air quotes Ross standard of the greens and all that stuff. Like, what is it about a Donald Ross classic golf course that just you know does it for you? The look, you know, what is it about his architecture that that you find? so enjoyable to play for lack of a better word um i guess i mean i, I hate to say simplicity but i mean you know you got a course that's built in 1909 and it still stands the set, set, uh, test of time like i just thought that was so cool like you know the course at uh, country club of columbus um you know such a fantastic golf course and it was built in 1909 um so yeah it's uh it just i love these uh birmingham a country club east course um just the i like the humpbacks humpback green turtleback greens i like the fall offs um around the greens the tough chipping areas the bunkering um but honestly just the the kind of the just i i hate to use the word simplicity because it might take away a little bit from the brilliance of it but um just the fact that he was born in 1876 and you know these courses are still killing it to this day it's just uh i just I, I, it's just incredible how these courses have stood the test of time and they and then they hardly touch them uh he, the course in columbus that i play at the last couple of years like i said it was built in uh, 19 built in 1909 and uh it's only 70 acres and and you can't go anywhere in the southeast and, and bring up that golf course where people are like oh i don't i mean you know nobody dislikes triple c i mean it is the shit and and it is just it's it's such a fun course to play and it's only 70 acres yeah yeah there was a brilliant i don't know what it was and to be able to 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 do what they did i'm a huge seth rayner fan i love rayner golf courses and yeah there's just i don't know if it was something in the 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 dn i don't i don't know like there's something exactly i feel the same way about a rayner where it's they're simple but yet 
the, the bunkering off the tee, the way they look, there is something about the brilliance of it that's timeless. And I, I find like a, a classic Seth Rayner golf course, like a Ross, just the most enjoyable, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play like Yeaman's Hall Club in Charleston, South Carolina. I don't know if there's a better walk, right? Yeah. Isn't that Lowlands area and the template holes are all there and it, it's simple walk from tee to tee and it's not overly huge. It's not overly difficult, but the green, it's just, they're perfect. Right? They're yeah, just is perfect. Rainer like Ocean Course at Kiowa? Like, no, no, yeah. that, no. Rainer would, uh, Rainer was more like, you know, same time period as Ross. So I was just talking Chicago Golf Club, Shore Acres, uh, Yeaman's Hall, uh, yeah. Country Club of St. Louis. Like, it's, uh, you know, Kiowa, I'm, you know, I played Kiowa. I, I, I don't know if you've ever played it. I'm assuming you have. That's, that, that one beat the shit out of me. Uh, Pete Pete yeah. sometimes a little bit. Don't don't see. Uh, oh, that's a die. Yeah, it's a die. Like you, you know, yeah, like I, it's... I was a member at the die and and Jupiter and and I love Pete Dye too. Oh my god. Um, but I haven't had the good fortune of playing any Rainers, so you know, uh, go I, check I out honestly. A, yeah, go if you, if you love Ross, man. Go if you can get on a. There's I think there's more of them up north. I think there was only one in Florida, but if you can get on a classic Seth Rainer golf course. The the architecture it's it's in the same vein at some level. The green complexes are a little bit different, but it's the same idea. But it's yeah. such a brilliant way of same thing. You know, the courses are a hundred years old and they still stand the test of time. Oh, cool! So he he was born in the eighteen hundreds as well. Yeah, it had to be around there. I mean, yeah, because he was yeah worked with C B McDonald. You know, like Chicago Golf Club. If you ever get a chance to play that, it's it's like yeah. walking through a museum of of golf course architecture, right? With Rayner and McDonald, and I think McDonald was sort of his mentor. And then he so kind of came in and did. Oh, it's it's just it's like playing golf. It's it's I kind of call it experience like Pebble, right? Where you're playing golf sort of in a museum, and you just sort of get lost in the architecture of it. Like you know you're playing something that special. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, if you okay. get out there to, to play a Rainer, man, it is. If you love Ross, you'll love the Rainer stuff as well. So. Oh, I know I would, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pebble is one of my one of my uh, favorites, the views and, and everything. And I, I really want to get out to band and the courses out West. Uh, I haven't had, uh, I haven't played many of them. I've played uh, the, um, the, what is it? The lakes at, um, at Olympic. Um, I, I played that one. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are like Midwest tracks, those Rangers, right? Yes. Yeah, there's a yeah, bunch yeah, out east and midwest, right? That's kind of where the, most of the rainers were done. I don't think there's too many out out west and too many in the south, but midwest, out east, you know, that's Long Island. There's some rainer stuff. Yeah. That's, it's it's that's kind of where he made his mark. But it's you know, and they can also if if they basically you know they had to go back and sort of uh, redo a lot of them to bring back the rainer lines where they planted trees in the 60s and 70s to sort of take away the lines. And if it's been maintained original Rainer or they've they've gone through it and brought it back to life of how it should be. That's where the brilliance of the architecture really comes through. Of how, yeah. how good those guys truly were. Who did who did Prairie Dunes? Because that thing is freaking sweet. Oh uh, that's Perry Maxwell and his son um did that one. I think each did one nine. I've heard I haven't yeah. played it, but I've heard it's yeah. just phenomenal, right? It's the story of two nines for sure, and and the Vagnas, so sick. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I, I they they anytime we played the Wichita Open, um, 
they'd, they'd let us come out there and play for nothing and we could bring our caddy and it was just, oh my God, it was such an experience. I mean, it was always very busy, but just to be able to play a course like that, I mean, that's, that's one thing I'm going to miss, um, so much, but, but, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta check out these Rainers. Absolutely. Yeah, go, go check out some Seth Rainer golf courses. You'll, if you love Ross, you'll love it and you'll appreciate what, what, you know, from an architectural standpoint of how brilliant it truly is. So, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, man. Like, I really appreciate this. I was, you know, I was a fan of yours. I loved your golf swing when you were on tour. I always, you know, in my mind, I'm trying to rotate like that and get left and and using big muscles. I thought you just had an absolute, and still do. I mean, thirty. It's like you're seventy years old and can't do it. But you have a brilliant golf swing. And in my mind, oh, I'm thinking, kidding. you know, that's how I'm trying to get that rotation, quiet hands athletic and let the motion just happen so i've always admired your golf swing and your talents and uh it's good stuff man i really appreciate it yeah absolutely i i another one one little funny anecdote i had a guy uh you know the open thing that i do will kind of save your back a little bit um just like you know the hv3 like slide the right foot through impact um uh, I had a guy fly me to California a couple of years ago just to get a personal lesson from me. He gave me five grand um, just to like get a lesson from me because his back he was giving him troubles and the open stance was something that was really helping helping him. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I think this open thing is is something that might become more common and uh, but you definitely got to get that left hip, left hip out of the way and. And you got to make sure you know you keep your, keep the butt on the wall, stay stay in the phone booth, and uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm uh, I, uh, I I'll always cherish those days, but but I, I'm I'm very happy, and if not uh, more happy doing what I'm doing now. That's awesome. Keep up the good work, pro. I appreciate your time tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.